everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. This episode made total sense. I was with it the entire time, and honestly, I'm excited to share it all with you. I... That was an anagram. You have to make an anagram of that to get my actual feelings about the episode. Oh, no. Uh, which was just, oh, God, no. <laughs> no. I was about to say, I, I, I hope someone has the answers about this episode, because I... <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know what is going on. Uh, we are not alone uh, in this. We have someone to help us solve this mystery, the mystery of what this episode is. We brought them in, a specialist, uh, Andrew, Andrew Bloom. Andrew is a friend of the show, long time. Uh, I don't have really have a word for the guest of the show. That's fine. Welcome. <laughs> Andrew, hello. How are you? I'm doing well, Robbie. Hello to both of you. And let me say, thank you for having me back, despite the fact that I majored in symbology in high school. <laughs> you you always you always get Matt with him, Andrew. You always get him. <laughs> Every single time, you always pop Matt. I really appreciate it. Um, That's my goal. Yeah. Symbology. They uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even say cryptology. Just symbology. Uh, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. I'm going straight for this. <laughs> brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Get access to all our bonus content. $5 a month to get you even more. Please go check it out. Go support the show. We really appreciate everyone who supports us. This week's episode is Gone Maggie Gone. Episode LABF04 originally aired March 15th, 2009. Written by Billy Kimball and Ian Max Tone Graham. <laughs> Having two people write it did not make it more coherent unfortunately <laughs> in fact i would say possibly the opposite <laughs> uh this episode is directed by chris clements received a 3.5 rating with 6 million viewers the couch gag the couch is a pinata a blindfold or ralph hits it and the family falls out this was a very i like this couch gag it's nice and simple very cute uh it might be the only one of the very few things i enjoyed about the episode Basically, anything Ralph-related is pretty cute, especially if it's just doing <laughs> little childlike things. So you can—that—that's the standard for couch gags. Is it enough to make you smile? And I think this more than qualifies. I think it's also interesting that they. This is the first time we. With, this is the first time we've gotten the new intro, but shortened. This is the short version of the new intro, cutting effectively. You know, very short intro, then couch gag. No chalkboard gag. No long intro with sign gags or whatever. Um, I and I, I naively very naively went ah they they spared a little extra time for this episode maybe it'll mean that means it'll be good <laughs> well, I, oh I do robbie think you sweet summer child <laughs> <laughs> i i do think it's interesting that they jump right into the proceedings they don't have the extra filler of the intro and yet it does feel like there's a still a lot of wind up and a lot of fluff in getting to the meat of things which is an odd combination okay andrew we're, before we jump it takes forever it does take forever <laughs> uh, and i would argue never gets anywhere uh this is this episode, i will mention this before i ask andrew a very important question uh the guest star is ed bagley jr as himself and i'm pretty sure ed bagley jr all he does is go ah <laughs> That's all he does. Yes, I but he's think. also a friend of the show. So, oh, okay, I, I see. Um, I have nothing. The against... Max Power episode, Robbie. Don't you remember? I vaguely, Matt. I I have nothing against Ed Bigley Jr. He's he's a fine actor. Uh, Andrew, I gave you your pick of episodes to guest on. Yes, I went. Here's our next look at the next ten episodes or so. Are there any that stand out? Any you would like to appear with? And you picked Maggie gone, gone, Maggie gone, Maggie gone, Maggie gone. 
Can I ask why? Um, I remembered it fondly. I watched this one when it came out. I think it was probably closer to when the Da Vinci Code had come, had been released and was still very much in the popular consciousness. So I I remembered it being a fun, kind of twisty, lighthearted adventure. And I think it it stands up to that. I I don't know. It just goes to show you how completely unreliable memory is. It's memento. You know, this is this actually episode is gonna be about memento. <laughs> I, I will say this: so what you're saying is, uh, uh, Andrew, you went forward in time and remembered recording this episode, which will be fun against the actual movie or your actual episode, which was not fun. And Andrew's covered <laughs> in like tattoos so. as well that will be our clues leading back to us recording this episode. Blade, it's, don't trust him. It's, it's the, he's talking. It's not, and that was that message is to me when you told me that this episode was good. Um, the Vinci Code came. The movie came out in 2006, so th- three years prior to this episode. Um, I'm not sure when the book. When the 2003, the novel was released and subsequently became very popular as well. Obviously, um, and despite the fact that this title is is gone, Maggie gone. This is a Da Vinci Code parody to to an extent. Uh, nothing to do with. <laughs> nothing to do with uh i don't again although there is reddit there's a ratatouille parody in this is too so i don't i don't there's no gone baby gone in this i don't know why <laughs> like it doesn't know because once sense. again clever title beats anything ever remotely important also the ratatouille part is just so stupid <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to it okay this episode begins i have the clip I have a clip. It starts the episode. It is a news report on solar eclipses. For centuries, man has been ruled by science and industry. But that era is drawing to a close. We stand on the cusp of a new epoch. One of prophecy, puzzles, and signs in the sky. And that epoch begins today. Our top story. Today, Springfield will experience a rare total eclipse of the sun. A solar eclipse is like a woman breastfeeding in a restaurant. It's free, it's beautiful, but under no circumstances should you look at it. We recommend using a homemade camera obscura fashioned from an ordinary shoebox and paper towel tube. This was supposed to be pre-made. Fine, I'll do it myself. Where's the end of the freaking tape? Forget it. We'll do it next week. The eclipse is today. There's an eclipse when I say there's an eclipse. Tried and true intro to a topic for an episode. You get a news clip about it. Is this the Simpsons lampshading the return of astrology? Like no, a decade ahead of time. I that's kind of impressive. I don't think so, Matt. I don't think. I'm not going to give this. I give this episode literally zero credit for anything. Anything I think it does well, I think it's accidental. I have no. It's accidental. It's coincidence. <laughs> I I do notice in this clip there's also I think the where they mention is they use the during the that sequence talking about solar eclipses there is a three there's 3D animation 3D animation of the of the solar system and I think that and it's not the only time later on when Lisa is has solved a puzzle the organ we get a, a long sequence of 3D animation there as well and I you know I it's worth mentioning it's still relatively new to the show they're using it more and more frequently now obviously twice in one episode you know they're with after Futurama and now with you know hd i think they are just like hey let's just do it whenever we feel like it 
I don't know if it's cheaper in the end than traditional animation. I assume it is. I don't know. Um, I, but, I did mistake that opening solar system sequence for something from Futurama. It does feel very much the same vibe since you have the art style of the Matt Groening shows alongside the cel-shaded graphics. We get a montage here of the Springfield being affected by the solar eclipse. This is where we get Ed Begley Jr. yelling at a train that's about to hit him. The train is also solar powered because the solar power car stops on the track. The train is also solar powered because the train stops in time not to hit him. Isn't that is that what's happening? Just to be clear, trains have a lot more momentum. They don't just stop when the sun runs out, even if they were so. <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt, Matt! If we're gonna start pulling, if we're starting to start mentioning every time something's not realistic, one half mv squared, Robbie. I'm. I took physics. Okay, I got a C. Understood. I understand. My, <laughs> my teacher was very kind. Um, <laughs> we finally get to. The fa- the family. The family's watching the solar eclipse. They all have uh, what, camera obscuros so they can watch it uh, safely without hurting their eyes. Um, there's some roughhousing here where Bart somehow does a wrestling move to Homer and throws him onto his own uh, viewer and destroys it. That leaves them short, a viewer. And Marge just gives hers to Homer? Why don't they because just... Marge is selfless and giving why don't, the way she does. Why don't, why don't they just share it? I don't... Oh, no, 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 Robbie, you, you can't do that. Otherwise, the, the show doesn't work. <laughs> remember remember the motto of the show, why do we do things? Money. <laughs> I mean, that's also, that's, that's the secondary answer. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know what the real answer is, but it's because the answer behind the answer. Because the, the writer said so, because the plot needs it, The plot because the plot requires it. Um, Homer breaks his year takes marches. Uh, so they're watching this incredible moment. Marge gets jealous all of a sudden and decides to just stare at the sun stare at the solar eclipse herself and therefore stare at his son and, and immediately explodes her eyeballs it's crazy she Mommy's she has favorite. what we like to call pulling a trump oh god oh, <laughs> is her most presidential but it gives us robbie's favorite thing eye trauma was, I, was that your favorite part of the episode robbie no it's not it's actually it's not my least favorite. I don't like it though. Uh, this it's this is like the I'm gonna I could say this like a fifty times during this episode, and Matt agrees with me. I'm pretty sure this isn't how this works. <laughs> this doesn't. This is not how eyes. Sure. It's not how eyeballs work, guys. Like I don't. You can look at the sun for a second. And it's not gonna kill you. It's not good. But again, you're not. She's not staring at the sun for ten minutes. <laughs> She glances up and immediately is struck blind. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So Marge, Marge gets jealous, wants to see the eclipse, looks up, immediately struck struck blind by staring at the sun for a moment. Uh, we go to Dr. Hibbert, where we get a report about the ramifications. Now, Marge, your eyes must stay completely covered for two full weeks. Don't worry, honey. I'll be your seeing eye, Homer. We're in some kind of doctor room, bunch of stuff on the walls. It's kind of hard to describe. Uh, I'm going to take my break now. Now, Simpsons, I must warn you, any stress could increase the blood pressure in Marge's eyeballs, leading to what we call Tex Avery syndrome. (laughs) Wolves are taking all our women. 
you guys have treated me like a princess. Every day's been like the first ten minutes of Mother's Day. You just rest those rods and coddle those cones. Everything's taken care of. Aww. Don't worry, man. I cut before we get to the rats. <laughs> well, there's also that, but also thank you for not immediately cutting off the text everything because I would have sworn so much. <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> dumbest thing in this episode full of incredibly oh, no, dumb things. Ma- 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not say things we can't take back. Alright? I The text every stuff is stupid, but are you kidding me? I I, I, I don't I actually went Homer's, like, there's, I think there are two lines in here where if the rest of the episode was coherent, I would have laughed. Because I would have been in a better mood. I would have been more gracious. I'd be like, oh, I'll laugh at that. When Homer says, wolves are taking all our women. I thought that's a good line. I went, oh, that's, I like that. Uh, unfortunately, it was preceded by Marge going immediately blind by looking at the sun for a moment. So I wasn't really in a mood for, for, for laughing. Um, and that's probably a, a big, this is where we get, this is where we all, we ask our, our weekly question. Did you laugh at this episode? Ooh, that is a darn good question. Um, laugh at this episode. I don't think so, honestly. I really don't think I did. Andrew, did you laugh? I did. I laughed a few times. One of them, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of good lines in this episode, but I do like the, it's like the first 10 minutes of Mother's Day. It's, it's a good little trenchant line. I laughed at that. I, I laughed at a couple other gags here that I'll highlight when we get to them. Uh, it's not a laugh riot, but I think this is, this was one where the humor gave me more chuckles and smiles than big belly laughs or anything along those lines. But it's got its moments. I am not uh, embellishing, okay, Andrew, just for, just to be oppositional to you. I'm glad you you mildly enjoyed this episode. Um uh, I texted you prior to this recording saying <laughs> I hated this episode. I hated it and you understood. Um I did not laugh at all in this episode and I had to take breaks in between act whenever it went to commercial, I took a breather. I to solve the puzzle, presumably, so you could like get your pen and pad out and be ready with your own answer. I don't like this. You don't like what this. <laughs> no, to take a like, I was like, it felt like I was like a prize fighter. It felt like I was in a boxing match with this episode, and it was just give me body blows. You know, this is like five minutes of body blows, and I'm like, okay, I need to sit. I need to sit down. There's like a guy behind me yelling at me uh, and rubbing stuff on my eyebrows or whatever so that I don't bleed everywhere. Like, I needed to take breaks in between each act of this because all this episode from beginning to end to me is inexplicable. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea why anything is happening. Like, this is my first question. Why is Marge blind for the entire episode? Because Marge is not needed for the entire episode, and they needed her to be blind for the reveal at the end. That That's not true, Matt. That's not true. They did not need her to be blind. They didn't need her at all to be... She could have been... There is no reason... Like, okay, this is not necessarily within the context of the episode. This is as a writer, and you're creating this episode. And you're going to say, we want to do a Da Vinci Code parody. And, we wanted, and we're going to make it about Maggie being uh, being kidnapped in a convent and there's some big mystery and there's nothing in that that says the entire family can't be involved there's no reason marge can't be right there alongside homer bart and lisa trying to get maggie back i think the answer is that maybe marge is too competent and too likely to be able to just solve this by walking in there as she does and saying, I'm sorry, I need my child back. Okay, so- Andrew, wait, 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 wait. We'll, we'll save that <laughs> for later on. 
Um, so that's my first question. And I first, the primary, I'm like inexplicably like, and, and that's also this, this is also part of it. Every moment where they cut back, every scene where we cut back to them trying to fool Marge that Maggie's still there and Lisa for that matter is the most painfully unfunny things I can imagine. Like I, okay. Okay. All right. So speaking of painfully unfunny, <laughs> there are Simpsons for the last five seasons. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh man. That's not fair. There's like four good episodes in there. Um, we cut to the, we cut to uh, basically Lisa and Bart, or I think it's Lisa dragging Homer into the kitchen. There are rats in the kitchen. Why? Why are there rats? Eh, because they needed a joke here where Homer literally does ratatouille. They literally just have a rat jump on Homer's head, steam around, cook something. The food is good, but not great. So Homer decides to kill all the rats. I, I would be remiss if I didn't note there's also an homage to Rizzo the rat in the Muppets Take Manhattan here. So it's not just ratatouille they are referencing. I hate it, Andrew. <laughs> you don't like the little cartoon rat on the egg beaters? Is this a real question? It's I, I, as as real as you as real as this episode. Is, I can't. Probably. No, no. I, unfortunately, <laughs> this episode's very real. That's the problem. This isn't made up. This isn't some fever dream I had. This is a real Simpsons episode. What like th and this takes up and this is the part where I'm like, oh no, they didn't need extra time for this. There is so <laughs> much extraneous nonsense in this episode, like this. Why? Why is there there? All of this is building to getting Maggie into the convent. Why does all of this happen? Homer needs to. There's rats in the kitchen, so Homer has to go get rat poison. And we have to have in between all of this, we have to have a moment where Homer gets steered around by a rat. And like, why? <laughs> it's not funny. What is this? <sighs> Homer has to go get rat poison because he's going to kill. There's a there's a hundred rats in that kitchen, by the way. That's not how rats. There's work. a lot. Yeah. There's, again, this is it's ridiculous. Like all the Marge is blind, so suddenly rats invade. Why? This is so stupid. Uh, makes me so mad. Um, Hummer goes. Obviously, Marge is, is waging a one uh one woman war on the rats to keep them at bay, and when she is sidelined, it's up to the family, and they can't handle it. That's a better episode, I, I, Matt. I'm ready for that episode. <laughs> give me that episode. I just want that. The whole, the whole. I, give me mouse hunt. That's like the box Ford episode of Martin Lisa versus <laughs> the UPS drivers, but it's Marge with rats. Give me mouse hunt, <laughs> except it's just Bart, Lisa, Homer trying to get rid of rats with Marge blundering around. I would take at least that's just simple slapstick, and it's a very simple plot. What were you saying, Andrew? I, I will say, in Marge and Jane's, we do see how quickly the house goes to hell without Marge's good help there. So there's some precedent for it. I, yeah, that, that's dirty dishes. That's not hundreds. There's, there's a crocodile in the frickin' toilet. One crocodile. <laughs> I think what I, I, I'm not entirely. Is this clear a new scale? The, how yeah. bad is the episode based on <laughs> crocodiles? Hey, hey, okay, Andrew. I grew. I, me and Matt both grew up in Florida. Okay. I've had alligators in my yard when I grew up, okay? So maybe that's just, it's just me where I'm like, I've ne I never, I grew up in the woods, never saw a single rat or mouse in my house. Also, we had 12 cats at times, so that probably is part of that. But we had alligators in the yard. We had a creek out back. There were alligators. So I'm not, maybe Excuse me, Robbie. I believe it's pronounced crick. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry, Matt. I didn't, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Um, so 
this ex- I'm still just trapped in this first act. So Homer goes to buy poison. Uh, the point, and we get. I don't know. I I feel like every week I'm just being pushed further and closer to the edge. Like this, Matt. This scene here, where Homer is buying poison, and Maggie wants to get to the poison, and then the dog wants to get Maggie's stuffed animal. And this leads to Homer crashing his car off a bridge. And then we have him next to a river. I didn't pull any of these clips. You guys are all okay. This is mercy on my part. Thank you. Thank you. This is a mercy. Okay. Because this is painful. I am not. I'm not being. This is not again. Also, they could make a joke about the fox corn uh, duck thing. Yeah. It's the the, the age old boat puzzle. You have three things and you have to take them all across, but they can't be next to each other. And there's a thousand different permutations of it, which matches allude to one, which they literally make a joke out of with Cletus. Um, Homer crashes his car off a bridge. They're all fine. And it doesn't me- matter at all. Does it? That's what happens in a car wreck. It doesn't again. This is like this is what I'm talking about, Andrew. Okay, when you say, "Oh, it's a it's mildly what a light adventure." Is that what you called it? I think those are the words you used. Yes, light adventure. He crashed. Homer is on a bridge, elevated bridge. Crashes his car off of it. A baby's in the car. The car is destroyed. The dog. Homer and the baby, Maggie, all good, all fine, no injuries, and then just like in real life, just in real life, in real life, and then immediately, comfortably, and then immediately after that, we go to this dumb sequence that is literally, it's probably, it feels like it's an hour long, it's maybe a minute long in real life, it feels like eternity, it feels like I'm still trapped in that moment, um, and why am I supposed to like? What is the point, like? What is this episode doing? Why is there a boat puzzle here? So in my defense, I think the first act is absolutely the worst part of the episode. On my little personal notes, I circled and wrote pointless above my little like <laughs> act one thing. Okay. It's not funny. It's very Homer focused. And this is, again, Homer Captain Wacky at his worst. And it is all just a build up to doing these brain teasers that you can do at home along with the characters. I I think the fun adventure, the light adventure, the enjoyable lark comes when you get into the Da Vinci Code parody and it's Lisa's little thing. But this is a useless, unfunny preamble to that, and I am not going to sit here and defend it. I appreciate that, at least. I just, I can't take it. You know what would have been way more enjoyable? I'm I'm sorry, Ryan. Please, go ahead, man. I just, like Andrew said, the more enjoyable part of this is Lisa as the Da Vinci Code, but quite frankly, the Da Vinci Code seems like a weird thing to parody with Lisa because of all the religious overtones. I would have much rather had a National Treasure parody with Lisa. That seems way more interesting to me. I I would have liked. It. Why don't we get? Why don't we get? Why don't we get Nick Cage? If we do National Treasure, get Nick Cage guest star. No, can't do that. Um, you but, can't go for Nick Cage when you can get Ed Bakley Jr. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So there's this boat puzzle. Frank is there. Cletus is there. Frank is on the other side of the river. Homer needs help with the puzzle. So he throws rat poison at Frank, and Frank is dead? It was a very minor amount of rat poison. He was probably just very, very sick for a few days. But it's just, my question is, why is Frank here? I got nothing on that one. Then. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. We go to commercial five minutes and 33 seconds. I can't emphasize this enough. Those five minutes and 33 seconds felt like 30 minutes. I was I was, really did. I was convinced this episode is three times longer than it is because some of these scenes feel like eternity. 
we go to commercial. And now, now we're gonna get one of the longest <laughs> acts, uh, unfortunately for me. So <laughs> we're still at the boat. Um, Brick is dead now, or at least very, very sick. <laughs> so Homer is able to solve this puzzle immediately. Like it, it is very obvious to him the order. He explains to it to us, the viewers, what he's going to do. Halfway through, uh, we find that the dog can just swim, so no need for the puzzle at all. Also, like Robbie said, Cletus is there with his own version, with the original version of the puzzle involving corn, a duck, and a fox, and the corn and the duck, the fox just eats everyone, so no need for that. But Homer is still attempting to put into practice his solution uh, when he leaves Maggie on the steps of a convent and then goes back to get whatever the next thing in his particular version of the solution is, unfortunately. Uh, but he. Um, Apparently left Maggie in a bad spot near the convent. Now I need to leave you where you'll be safe, under the watchful eyes of God. And I'll be watching you too in case God's busy making tornadoes or not existing. I see you! I see you! I see... Oh. Look at that. One of God's discarded miracles. Ah! Catholics! <laughs> Give me my baby back! Sir, our mission is quite clear. Any child left here will be cared for by the Sisters of St. Teresa. Why would you leave such a beautiful baby on our doorstep? Because she was fighting my dog and stealing my poison. Now give her back so I can take her home to my rat-infested house. No, the poor dear is right where she belongs. Come on, lady, have a heart. I'm sure your husband does stupid things sometimes. I'm married to Jesus. Yeah, right. And I'm married to Wonder Woman. Yeah. <sighs> I, 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 so, so Homer, I, I, Homer can see all I, that's going on. I, I, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> we just heard Robbie quit the podcast. <laughs> Robbie's having the the real life blue screen of death right now. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't. What is what is happening? This there one. One, there's just a convent on the river in it's isolated, separated. With nothing there's else around nothing it. Nothing else around it. Never been seen before. Will never be oh. seen again. Right. We recently found out that there's a river flowing behind Springfield Elementary with a dock. <laughs> yes. And and maybe the same river goes by the. I, maybe Matt. Maybe that's the answer. Uh, and then Homer leaves Maggie there. It has not even been... It's not like he knocked on the door. Do they have a ring camera or something? Like, how do they know that there's a baby out there? No one... It doesn't there's matter. sensor in the... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Door. Don't answer my questions, please. It will take forever. Uh, so there's... But a nun, this nun just goes, oh, a baby, and takes it in. Not 30 seconds later, Homer knocks on the door and says, hey, you have my baby. Give it back. Give me back my daughter. And the nun goes... Nah. To be fair, she has no evidence that that is Homer's daughter. He could just be some scumbag coming along and said, hey, I saw a baby here a second ago, and now I want it. Also, if Homer ever came up to you and said, I want that baby, under no circumstances should you give him a baby. I, Especially Matt, when he says, yeah, and let me take it back to my rat-infested house. I, I'm, I'm just, I just, I can't with this. This is, it's like so many layers of absurdity. There's okay. You want to have stakes here. You need to have a reason to set up this plot. Okay, I get it. And that's all this is. All of this is is to get Maggie in with these nuns, so that Lisa has to infiltrate, 
and solve these mysteries. Okay. If it has to be a convent and it has to be Maggie, is there literally no other way to do it? Do you have to pick the stupidest way that, that is filled with wasted time? you know the time? answer in the Simpsons uh, canon. <sighs> It's just, it, it, it is exhausting. I can't take it. Like, I don't, like, I, I, if I am, like, it, it is just, it's apparent. It is just apparent how much The Simpsons has departed from even trying to be, look like reality. Like, you look at other episodes where Maggie's in peril, even, and it, this is by far, the the most distant connection to what is real life homer is a human man this convent presumably has a wooden door i don't have any children but if i had a baby and if, by some weird fluke by <laughs> by some combination of absurd this is uh, you know comedy of errors homer ends up leaving the baby this is and this is in this case this is not homer being like this is actually Homer trying to keep his baby from eating poison. Okay? This isn't Homer being stupid. This isn't Homer... I mean, all of it's stupid, but it's not Homer being stupid. Well, it's everybody being stupid, but Homer especially. So. Yes. If my baby is taken by anyone, and all that stands between me and them is a door, a wooden door, guess what's going to happen? That door is going to get broken down? Yeah, I'm going to knock that. I'm going to knock that door down. And then get my baby back. I don't care Do who it think is. Homer is uh, physically capable of knocking down a wooden door. He weighs 250 pounds. All he has to do is run out the door, Matt. That's all it is. You just do it enough times, the door will fall down. The door, that they, we are literally told later on that that convent is made from a ship from the 1700s uh, or some true, nonsense. Yeah. It would theoretically be very flimsy. Uh, but whatever. But it's just this. It's his first step where Homer doesn't go get Maggie at this moment. He doesn't stage an immediate rescue effort. He doesn't immediately drive to a police station and say, nuns took my baby. He doesn't do anything that even... Nope. It's time for a wacky plan, Robbie. <sighs> exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm saying. There's no... And they don't try and cover it up. They don't try and obscure, like, all these obvious plot holes. They just go, meh, who cares? And for, I, for what it's worth, oh, sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, no, no I, you're fine, Andrew. I'm just going to keep ranting, so please. <laughs> That's true. Let's we can move on and rant about different things now. I, Andrew, I, would you like a chance? <laughs> well, what I will say is this: is I, I don't question for a second that this is not very realistic, but I do think there's at least tonal consistency to the episode that it is very much a flight of fancy that is not trying for the tone of realism that the show often does. There's a lot of very outsized, unusual things that happen here. And I think it's meant to be sort of that quasi treehouse of horror tone. So it makes me at least more willing to forgive it, especially in the vein of what is an episode length spoof, considering I don't think they're necessarily going for realism here in the way that you would expect for a typical Simpsons episode. And it doesn't doesn't have to be everybody's cup of tea. We all have the flavors of the Simpsons that we like and the flavors that we don't like, but it at least makes me more forgiving of something like this than if it was an episode that really wanted to make an emotional point or ground the story and otherwise more realistic things. Could they do some jokes there in there, please? <laughs> they try, Robbie. I mean, ah, funny jokes. I would like. I just like. I'm fine with it being absurd at times. I would like the sh that episode to be funny. Then I would like, and I would still like tight plotting and things to make sense. 
Like, I don't need it to be perfect. You could have a, you could have lots of absurd ways to get Maggie in the care of these nuns. They chose the, this very dumb way. And well, this is the way of Homer being a moron, which is very common. Well, it's again, it's just laziness. All this is laziness. There's no rewrites here. Like, why on earth? Okay, am I ever at any point? Am I? I'm supposed to be worried about Maggie's well-being. Uh, no, because she's with nuns. Nuns will obviously take care of a child. I. But that's the thing. Like, are these nuns supposed to be nefarious secret nuns? No, they're only uh, secretly nefarious about this one gem thing. Everything else, no, they're totally normal. Matt, 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 Matt. They have stolen a baby. It is literal kidnapping. I can't, like, I don't, like, that's the thing. Like, Robbie, are you familiar with the history of the Catholic Church? That's, like, the one thing that's very consistent for them. <laughs> I'm well aware, man. familiar with residential schools in Canada? <laughs> yes, uh, well, yes, having lived in Canada, I'm very much aware. Um, that's the problem, Matt. This is totally a nightmare. That's the thing. A light adventure does not involve n- evil nuns kidnapping a baby. I think if you, you play it in a cartoony evil. fashion. They are evil. Yes, they're evil. They kidnap the baby. That's what evil people do. I mean, that is what, literally yeah, what, what they're doing. Do. They are stealing no. children. That is evil. I don't. Is that is that is that controversial? <laughs> from, from the nun's perspective, they are saving a lost child from this crazed, well, poison-throwing man who wants <laughs> to take her back to their pest-filled house. Andrew. I am not on your. Th- I don't. There's not anything. Maybe like most people have a more charitable I- opinion about nuns and the Catholic Church than I do. Uh, but I'm all I see here is an episode that's like, oh, isn't this light and fun? Let's solve this mystery. Oh, some evil nun stole a baby. Yeah, isn't this fun? No, it's crazy, and everyone's just smiling the entire time. And we're having a fun adventure. I'm like, there's a baby missing. We don't even know where it is. Nope. I'm supposed to just take it on good measure that these nuns are nice? Oh, they're going to take care of yes, Maggie. Yes, Why? They literally have a, the the first joke we see with the kid, the nuns and other bunch of other kids is them brainwashing them. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, Robbie. Oh, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> Did you play the Simpsons arcade game back in the day? I don't Here, This is a I don't know if this is a, a like I don't like the Simpsons arcade game. Fair enough. Whoa, I have whoa, I have whoa. played it. Yeah, I played a bunch of times, obviously. But now as an adult, I go, that game's not very good. Okay. <laughs> it's All a right. very mediocre beat-em-up that just happens to feature characters I love. Se- separate and apart from the quality of the game itself, do you remember Mr. Burns and Smithers stealing Maggie when she gets the diamond that uh, replaced with her pacifier? I Yeah, I do remember that. Now, could you still potentially at least enjoy the game as kind of a lark when they're fighting through bunny men and, you know, evil minions of Mr. Yeah. Burns to get back to her? Or were you like, no, no, they've kidnapped a baby. This oh, is a serious dramatic and, thing that we're not Andrew, taking seriously Andrew, enough. Andrew, Andrew, are we, this can't be a podcast about narrative weight of video games, okay? That would take another few hours of our time. Uh, the narrative of a television show is very different than a narrative of a, a beat 'em up arcade game that really just wants to give me to give them as many quarters as possible. I, I don't disagree, but I think the principle remains that you can do things in a very light tone with a cartoony attitude that if you did them in a more serious tone would be disturbing or challenging. But I think it, tone matters so much. But is it the Da Vinci Code? Like, it has people flogging themselves and, like, serious, like, it heavy stuff about jesus literally 
<laughs> I always okay, whatever. This is we don't need to keep talking right, about this. Yeah, Please let's, continue, let's man. Please continue. Let's move on before Robbie has a heart attack. I'm sweating. <laughs> so, I am literally sweating. Okay, okay. So uh, instead of going to the police, as Homer should in this case, as we've established, uh, because we need a caper, Homer goes to the kids and they suggest an undercover nun. Sorry, nundercover. Thank you, Robbie, for that portmanteau. <laughs> yes, Lisa suggests they go nundercover. Homer uh, uh, basically implies that it's going to be him and he's not going to do it. Uh, but then when Lisa volunteers, he gets very upset and put on, puts on his nun costume, which we have seen before, fortunately. And so Lisa infiltrates the convent. Uh, she is sticking right in uh, because she apparently uh, is okay with being on her knees all the time, which, um, okay. Um, it's a thing. Anyway, uh, and then is basically walks through a little intro uh, until we get to the point about uh, she starts actually looking for Maggie. Mother Superior, are those all the babies in our orphanage? Looking for more unwanted babies, are you? Well, next week's nine months after the prom. They'll be stacked up to the ceiling. No, I was just thinking you might have some in the back you haven't put out yet. Oh, a doubting Thomas, are you? Well, more of a curious George. Well, little monkey, it's time for you to spend some time with the man in the yellow hat. Why would Mother Superior lie to me about not having Maggie? What is going on? <laughs> Jewel. Why would nuns want a jewel? Find the jewel. Find what you desire. The jewel will lead me to my baby sister? Why are you telling me this? Because I'm sick of that mother superior. Whenever we play football, she has to be quarterback. I... Now, you must solve a series of... You mean an increasingly difficult series of challenges with my intellect? That's so cool. Plus, you find your sister. Oh, yeah. Your first clue. And before you decide to become a nun, consider this. I am only 23. <laughs> so, yes, sorry for the extra long clip, but... I will say one of the times that I laughed in this episode is the Curious George-based uh, wordplay and gag there. Andrew. That was a good chuckle for me. Andrew, get off the podcast. You're kicked off. I'm yeah, you, you're you, uninvited now. Get the hell out. Get the hell out. spreading um, uh, uh, candle uh, snuffer. That's almost worth it. I but can't. That uh, was cute. I get out. I can't with you. <laughs> this is, I cannot believe this. You know, I, like I need. I need. I need. I need. I I know. I don't. Maybe I, I just liked here, Curious George too Andrew, much when I was a kid. I hate Curious George. What? You monster! Monkeys are terrible. How? I don't understand this. Why do people like monkeys? I monkeys don't get it maybe. either, Robbie. I'm right there with you. Thank monkeys you. Are the worst. Monkeys are the worst. Monkeys may be terrible, but cartoon monkeys are delightful. They're only second worst to real monkeys. I will not stand for this <laughs> primatophobia. I'm just okay. I want this to make sense to me. Okay. I watched this, and I just listened to it again, and I still have no idea what happens in this scene. I, I, uh, like, I Basically, Lisa finds out that the, she's going to have to uh, Da Vinci code her way out of this. No, I, I get that, Matt, but you have to... Here, people call Dan Brown... They call him a hack. Very hoity-toity people. Call him Dan Brown a hack. No. Dan Brown's a very talented writer, okay? This stuff's not easy. Making this stuff, making these intricate kind of mysteries. Yeah, some of it's kind of like, you know, hokey and filled with like mechanical contraptions. They joke about it later. Yeah, it, that's true. But making all these things connect, telling the story through it, 
making it compelling and interesting is hard to do. If anyone could do it, there'd be a, a, there'd be a million Dan Browns in the world, and there aren't. That's fair because it, it's a very specific formula. People don't consider it like really uh, you know highbrow kind of stuff, but he's basically writing in a specific manner that makes him a lot of money. I, and I don't it, like you go read Dan Brown. I never there's never a moment where I go I don't know what's at stake. I don't know what they're what someone's trying to get. I don't know. I never not know why they're trying to get it. You know, I know very clear character motivations, often quite broad, but that's fine for that type of story. I have no idea why Lisa just runs in here, refuses. She uh, complains that the mother superior doesn't tell her where Maggie is. Okay, that's interest. That's interesting. Okay, hook. Okay, we for some reason. They have all these other babies. They won't tell her about Maggie. Why? Okay, that's interesting. That's you got me. I'm like, oh, maybe there's, there's something interesting here. But then she goes into the 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 church, and she it doesn't know why she's not being told. And then a random janitor nun walks up. There and like and again laziness. There's not. You could write a really compelling and fun scene where Lisa sneaks into Mother Superior's office and finds a secret note or a hidden, a hidden, a hidden thing. She has to do something to get that information, and that is the first actual clue, and that leads her to the next one. No, we just get a nun with a mop and bucket telling her exposition dump. Yes. What is it like? And then we look up, and there's a gem. What does this have to do? Like wh- the gem just comes from nowhere. What does this have to do with anything? Why are we care? Why do we care about a gem? And Maggie and, Ma- and we're like, oh, Lisa's like, oh, you just go after the gem. And th- well, this secret nun, this janitor nun, knows about Maggie. She uses her name. She knows you'll find your sister. Why doesn't this janitor nun just say, oh, your sister's in a room over there? We'll go get her. Well, obviously she can't. Because of some reason, These maybe are the, she's not allowed. This to is what these. writers do, Matt. This is what I. Oh boy, this is what writers do. I'm not going to try. I'm trying not to yell. This is what writers do. All right, you're, you're, you're uh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. The point is, you're <laughs> assuming that the Simpsons have writers. I'm there's not sure people, if we can. There's two people credited. There's two writers. There's two of them. I can't. It's just this is. I don't. I still have no. Like, what's the stakes here? Oh, Lisa needs to get Maggie back. Would it? Wouldn't Lisa literally just prowl around the, the the convent until she found a baby? Like that's like all this setup means nothing to me. Like oh, we're going on a fun adventure. There's no reason to go on a fun adventure. I have to buy in all this garbage. <sighs> so anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa has to solve the Da Vinci uh, Code uh, mystery thing involving the organ, where she has to play. Uh, what is it? Heart and soul, body and soul, something like that. Heart and soul. She translates uh, the nun, the janitor nun, points her at a stained glass window that, or a mural or something that has Latin on it. It says heart and soul on there. She plays heart and soul in the organ, etc. That's it's a clever enough bit, I think. It would be good if this episode was good. Uh, this episode is not, so it is not. <laughs> so anyway, so Lisa plays this song on the organ. It starts. It starts opening up to a big Rube Goldberg style device. And goes on for, what, 30 seconds a minute before we cut away to Homer and Marge. Uh, eh, oh, God, this part. <laughs> uh, so Marge asks to see Maggie since she hasn't all day and Maggie is a baby. 
Homer puts his arm in uh, swaddling, I guess, uh, in some kind of blanket, and then pretends that that's pretends that that Maggie, that is Maggie and gives it to Marge. Marge cuddles her and says, "Oh, you're probably hungry," and then proceeds to feed Homer's hand. But Homer's hand apparently eats too much and too readily. And so Homer has a fight with his hand about eating too much. Matt, I know you said earlier that something was the dumbest thing in that episode, and you were wrong because this is. This may You're be... right. You're right. You were 100% correct. I was wrong before. <laughs> this may be one of the dumbest things in the entire show. You know, we've had some, some stinker gags, but poof, this one is up there. It is so implausible it is so unfunny i will buy a lot of the light adventure looseness of the plot in service of some just you know general silliness but this is just brain meltingly moronic yes this episode is correct all right so (laughs) after this we go back to lisa who is sitting on a bench looking bored so apparently whatever this whatever she unlocked with the organ is still going on for a very long time but it eventually finishes unlocking in a very fancy 3d computer generated uh sequence uh to give her another clue to telling her to look for the biggest ring in springfield uh at which point she goes to the window points out several giant rings including the lard lad donut and goes how will i ever solve this mystery and that is our cue to cut to a commercial uh i guess trying to get people following along at home to solve the mystery despite not having all the information good luck robbie <laughs> It's taking every fiber of my being. Uh, not to say I can't. This uh, we're getting Robbie's Joker origin story here. <laughs> Don't say that too loud, though, or Warner Brothers will sue us. Uh, <laughs> You're the real people's Joker, Robbie. <laughs> okay, we come back from commercial at 12 minutes even in Act Three, where Lisa is asking, "Why is Millhouse here?" There's just like this very uh, brief scene here so with they Millhouse. Can dunk on him, basically. Okay, they, because, did they just have a Millhouse joke ready, and so they wanted it? Because Jasper didn't want to come by himself. <sighs> okay, so Millhouse doesn't have the. Apparently, Lisa has recruited and then dismissed Millhouse from helping her because he immediately appears and then disappears. Um, and Lisa is trying to. We're, we're still right at the end of Act Two. We got. Okay, we need to find the biggest ring in Springfield. Okay. Um, can I ask if... A, a, I feel like a... Like... Okay. No. Well, no, I might, we might as well do it now. Who is who is seeding these clues? Okay, we can do this now, because we will eventually find out through a long exposition that, I guess, Sister Teresa, the founder of this Order of Nuns, uh, set this up 400 years ago that made this prophecy. And all of it's happening now, I guess. But like Robbie said, this stuff is very complicated and it's all set up throughout Springfield. So I I was confused in this episode. Did St. Teresa have the gem or was she saying that the gem would appear? Because if 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 the nuns weren't the ones to set this up, whenever they got to Springfield, who who did? I assumed it was the nuns. I assumed this was a fail safe in case new nuns came or somebody else. Uh, you know, who could foresee what was going to happen 400 years in the future when it was time for this eclipse to occur and, you know, provide invoke right, the time does, for the gem to does arrive? Does that mean the nuns have always known what the gem was going to be? I thought they were as confused so. as everyone else. I mean, they seem to understand that it's Maggie, and I don't know if they followed the clues. So I think so. That, but that's what I mean. Why are there clues? 
in case the order die, dies out in the meantime or somebody else needs to, you know, they need to send somebody on the quest in case they're not still around. It's an insurance policy. Okay, Andrew, this is an important question for you. Okay. Sure. This episode is theoretically a parody, a parody of the Da Vinci Code, correct? Yes. Wouldn't these questions be the things you would bring up in a parody of the Da Vinci Code? I mean, they, they make they question the snarkiness of the puzzles. I had to back away from my microphone for a second there. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't take this. So, uh, Lisa immediately solves this puzzle. At least she thinks she does because we go uh, her. She's oh, the biggest ring in Springfield is the bell. At some place, I don't a bell we've never heard of before, and we'll never see again. The, the Springfield Bell, of course, of course, that bell. Um, so we get it here. We also get a, a reused sign gag. I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, mm-hmm. where it says "Do not enter," uh, and then another sign below it that says "Or do I'm not this? I'm a sign, not a cop." They used that literal sign gag before. I guess they thought, eh, it's been ten years. No one will remember." Um. Now we get a bit where back to back to Marge, blind Marge, uh, where she wants to say goodnight to Lisa and Lisa's not in the house. So Bart dresses. Oh, this, is, this is almost as bad as the previous one. Bart dresses up like Lisa, jumps into her bed and fluffs his hair to look like Lisa's hair and then can't talk. So he just awkwardly plays the saxophone badly for a while. And, and Marge's okay with this. It's like, oh, yeah, this is jazz. Makes total sense. And Marge, not one second, goes, why isn't my daughter saying anything? Especially Lisa, who usually says a lot. Is is, is Marge just... It, Marge might be dumber than Homer in this episode. Yeah. That is a high standard, Robbie. I don't know. Okay, Andrew, I'm going to ask you a question. If I, if I blindfolded you, mm-hmm. and then handed you my arm... And then pretended it was a baby. Would you? Would that work on you? Would you realize it was a baby or not? I would like to think I would know the difference. Uh, it, I, it's not a high bar to clear. Uh, literally anyone on Earth would be able to tell the difference, uh, especially the baby's own mother. And theoretically, Marge has handled three different babies in her lifetime a lot. She's held many. She's held those three babies a lot of times, many times in her life. You would think she'd immediately be able to tell the difference. Uh, but no, we just gotta keep. We have to buy that Marge is this stupid. This episode just tells us point blank. Yep, Marge is this dumb. Uh, there's no still re- no reason that Marge has to be blind for this. She could have been involved with this plot and I'd have had some fun jokes. That would have been fun. I love the I love when Marge is included on adventures because she always has fun mom jokes to add in. Instead, we have to buy the fact that she thinks uh, an arm is a baby. Oh my god. So, Lisa's in the bell tower. Uh I have my other another question. Why is Bart and Lisa covering for Homer losing Maggie? Because they don't um th- this at least has an explanation. Hibbert says Marge can't have any stress whatsoever or else her eyes will explode. <laughs> that is so how, that is how I it's true, Andrew. That is how eyeballs work. I'm an idiot, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not look. <laughs> It, it works on its own terms. They set what the stakes are, and the characters react accordingly. So I'm not you know, saying it makes sense. I'm not saying it's, or I, I'm not saying it's realistic, but it works within the terms that the episode establishes. I remember when I went to my last eye appointment, and <laughs> the eye doctor said, "Now remember, limit your stress because your eyeballs might explode." 
<laughs> it's really good. Um, so Lisa's in the bell tower, uh, and inexplicably, comic book guy and Skinner show up, and then, and you guys have already said multiple times, oh, this is the dumbest thing in the episode. Uh, uh, uh. I disagree because this is the dumbest thing in the episode. Principal Skinner, comic book guy, what are you doing here? Following you, we seek the gem of Saint Teresa. Oh, well, I seek it so I can find my sister. How do you know about the gem? We are an ancient order of mystery buffs who hide in shadow and call ourselves the Brethren of the Quest. Because we do our sleuthing in Mother's Nissan Quest minivan. Tell me all you know about the gem. Never. Does your mother know you're using her minivan? You see, legend has it that on her deathbed, St. Teresa of Avila had a vision of a jewel that would usher in an era of peace and harmony. She dispatched a team of nuns to the New World to seek this fabulous gem. They landed at what is now Philadelphia use the timbers of their ship to construct a convent. The order flourished, never forgetting its sacred mission. But word about the gem got out. And a group of high-ranking Freemasons, led by Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and King George III, staged a phony war of independence to cover their search for the gem. Fleeing the violence, the nuns of St. Teresa's left the colonies and settled here in Springfield. Legend and Wikipedia have it that the gem will be revealed during the first full moon after a solar eclipse. That's tonight! A day! Can someone explain this to me? What part is unclear, Robbie? All of it? I don't understand. (laughs) I, I literally, like, I... My befuddlement is not an act. I literally just have no idea what's happening in this episode. Like, we are told inexplicably like five minutes ago about a gem of St. Teresa. And and I don't... And like, oh, this will lead you to your sister. I don't know why it will. I don't know why people are trying... We've never heard about it before. There's no build to it. It's just suddenly sprung on Lisa and sprung on us. And then suddenly we have Skinner and Comic Book Guy, Brethren of the Quest, and they oh, we get another another exposition dump with a weird flashback with a, about the history of America. Like I guess this is your national treasure stuff, Matt. That this if that's what you want. This is about as much as you're going to get from it. Um, th- and that's the other strange thing. It's like Da Vinci Code is all about- national treasure. It needs to be the whole episode. Dang it! I I I believe you. I feel like they'd half ass. They half-ass two things instead of whole-assing one. Um, I, I just I don't understand. Like, why? How does Skinner and Comic Book Guy know about this stuff? Like, I, it's all it's everything. And you're like, I, 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 yes, I understand. Given what this episode is giving me, I'm supposed to just take it for granted. I guess what I don't. I need you to give me <laughs> develop something. Tell me why? Why are Skinner and Comic Book? Why do they care about this stuff? Because they're mystery buffs, because they've stumbled onto this, and it's become a a pursuit for them. Okay, well, that, see, Andrew, that is what would be interesting to me, if we have a flashback where we show them pursuing the mystery for the first time. Not just a bland retelling of nonsense history, 
Like, all this is nonsense. This is, I don't understand any of what's going on. What does this have to do with gems in the modern day? None of, like, I, like, they're building a Da Vinci Code mystery. I have no idea. Is everything so messy and muddled? I, what is this gem? They say it's going to reunite. How? How is a gem going to do that? Is that supposed to be the mystery that hooks me? I think that's part of it. You're supposed to wonder what is so fantastical about this gem that it is worthy of such prophecy. And I think I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the the sequence we get of nuns as pirates and all this other secret history of the founding fathers and King George makes sense. But I think that's part I think that's meant to be a feature, not a bug. I think it's supposed to be a spoof of the convoluted mysteries in the Da Vinci Code and the conspiracies in National I, Treasure and that sort of I, alternate history nonsense. I here, this is the thing, and it probably might be a fun, fundamental disconnect I have. I don't think those things are that complicated. Like, <laughs> Da Vinci Code is not complicated. It's very simple. So is, and like, even going back to like the Indiana Jones, like Last Crusade, like those, that, that which I think is probably one of those, you know, Indiana Jones movies are the fundamental ones that kind of establish this very, this kind of formula. None of them are complicated. Da Vinci Code's not complicated. National Treasure really isn't complicated. It's meant to be not complicated. It's easy enough for anyone to follow. That's the charm of those movies, that they have broad appeal. And they're easy to understand. They're not, like, Lynchian weird navigations of time and space. It's like, oh, here's a... You're following some investigator or, or an adventurer along. He stops at a place and goes to the next clue, and they explain what it all means. If they, if the Simpsons are implying that those things are complicated, I'm a, I have a feeling that the Simpsons writers are idiots because are, is that what you get when you watch the Da Vinci Code? You go, oh, this is complicated. I don't understand any of it. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, no, it makes very perfect, easy sense. If, if anything, it's not complicated enough. I, it, it's just, I don't, when they're like, oh, look how complicated and nonsense this is. I'm like, I don't think the Da Vinci Code is that. I don't, that's not the, 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 it, the Da Vinci Code, if you want to peel apart the Da Vinci Code, is the fact that everything's very convenient and easy. You know, everything, there's never any problems that develop in in between the steps. The steps always lead one to the next. And they kind of do that a little bit here and there in this episode, but then they have this, and you say it's a spoof. Again, jokes? Is this supposed, Am I supposed to laugh at this? I think that's the intent, but also... That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I maybe I like, I just don't have any fun. I'm not having fun. <laughs> I, that's it's just all I see. All I hear is just them. Like, I, I literally, I felt like I was like going into a coma when this scene was happening with like them recounting all this history. Like my eyes were glazing over it. it I'm like, I'm trying to focus on what's happening. And they're just talking about nun pirates and convents that are a ship. And I'm like, what I like, I'm lost. I felt like I've lost touch with reality. I, I've, I, I've seen those movies. Like I like those movies well enough. They're perfectly fine. Why? What? There was no mention of nun pirates in the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Didn't get that edition. <laughs> no, I, I like Da Vinci Code's like, and also here, this is I'm gonna, I'll pick this too. This is just this is this episode feels so like, despite what you want to say about the Da Vinci Code, it does like go after the catholic church in a in a fun way like it has like oh let's actually play around with history what is what you think is established history and people were really upset about what that stuff they said about jesus effectively you know and 
this episode is so safe and boring. There's no danger or tension in any of this until we get to Mr. Burns. That's the only moment I actually felt. I'm never worried like about the nuns or anything like that. It's all like Burns is the only person that I've ever felt any danger from. <sighs> they're just like, oh yeah, the, the 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 Revolutionary War existed only to get this gem. Uh, yeah, is that that is literally what they say, right? I didn't misunderstand that. That is absolutely what they say. We still know what this gem is. Okay, um, come guy. Uh, quickly asks Lisa, why are we at the spell? Or why are you here? And Lisa's like, I was looking for the biggest ring in Springfield. Comic guy's like, well, this bell isn't real. And he smashes it. It's paper mache. So it can't ring at all. And then conveniently, Lisa looks out the window and sees the Springfield sign, which has ring How in it. How convenient. It has, well, that's, I like, if they made a joke about that, maybe they did and I missed it. But... It, I, I at least appreciate that she gets the answer wrong initially, and there's sort of a misdirect there. It's something. <laughs> I feel like every comment I make just sends Robbie further and further down the path of madness. I can't. I can't. I'm. I was. I, I'm not like. I am not exaggerating about my reaction to this. I literally had to take a break. <laughs> I, I wanted to get work done today, and then I was. I watched this episode. I'm like. I need to take a walk or something. This is killing me. Um, I, I hope everybody listening to the podcast appreciates Robbie gradually sacrificing his sanity bit by bit for your I, okay. This is okay. This is a greater question, Andrew. Yeah, that I have for you, not about this episode in particular. It sprung to me as we were as I was watching this as I was thinking about it, and I really am curious: is it fair to judge this episode in? succession of all the others we've watched recently at least of this season if not the last couple like if i just if i like, do you, do if you I, think this episode is much worse than them well that's it's more along the lines matt of like you and i do this every week and we've done this every week for years now and we've done this every week for years with these terrible seasons of the simpsons and I if I just sprung up if you know if people talk about that I talk about this when I talk when I mention that I do this podcast and you know we thought we're in the season twenty it's not very good blah 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 and they're like yeah they don't watch the Simpsons and they don't watch season nineteen of the Simpsons of course not why would they um but if they if you show this to some random person they'd go like ah oh, it's fine they'd, that's what they say they say oh that's fine they probably wouldn't get angry about it they might not laugh a lot at it but they probably go eh, it's twenty minutes it's fine but I've watched. Now, hundreds of bad episodes of The Simpsons in a row, effectively. You know, there's a couple okay ones or good ones even in there, but mostly it's just bad. And I'm... All my goodwill is eroded. All of it. It's all gone. And when you, you know, Andrew, you say, you know, oh, I thought this was fun and I there's an adventure and I don't think the episode expects much from you to, you know, it's not supposed to, you know, you allude in your piece, which is very good. And I suggest people go read it. You allude to, you know, The Simpsons is no stranger to having kind of episodes that have very absurd, ridiculous things happen. And this is, uh, you could just treat this like a treehouse of horror and you're not losing anything. It doesn't need to adhere to reality. I am not willing to go that. I don't, I'm tired of that. That is every episode of The Simpsons at this point. Season 20, every episode of The Simpsons is, this does not adhere to reality. Every episode of The Simpsons is, Treat it like it's Trails of Horror. There's no con continuity. There's no, you know, there's no any kind of uh, hewing to the grounded reality of the show. You And you even mentioned you only move twice. 
um, which is out sur- at surface level a very absurd level absurd episode of the Simpsons because Homer goes to work for a Bond villain effectively, and then I was thinking about you only move twice, and I'm like, well, yes. He does go work for a Bond villain, but the focus of the episode, the episode is not about Homer working for a Bond villain. The episode is about how do the Simpsons work without Springfield, both in the context of the episode, like in the real, in with a actual sense of realism, like what happens when Lisa isn't at school anymore and at her school or Bart or when Ma- or Marge doesn't have her chores to do anymore. And now she has robots do them effectively, you know, and also in the context of the show like what happens to the simpsons the television show when you remove the simpsons from springfield and put them somewhere else and there is no not even approaching that level of nuance or depth in this episode there's not even there's not even a moment where i go oh yeah they're doing this or they're doing that i don't have any goodwill left when you say they're spoofing when you say they're spoofing the Da Vinci Code, I'm like, I think that's what they're trying to do. Well, let me be clear. I don't think this episode is fit to tie the shoelaces of You Only Move Twice. It's not anywhere in the ballpark of that. And that's no sin. It's one of the greatest episodes of the show there is. It is no sin to fall well short of that. I do think there is something to be said for taking it along the lines of, say, the Homer Joins the Navy episode or the 24 Minutes spoof that you guys did not that long ago, where it is more immersed in something a little ridiculous. Maybe there's some thread of sentiment or some thread of commentary to it, but a lot of it is just outsized adventure for the sake of outsized adventure. And I think there's room for that in The Simpsons, even on an episode-to-episode basis. But to your larger question, Robbie... I think it's fair to judge this episode in the context of all that has come before it and all that will come after it, because after all, that is how most people watched it at the time. I was one of those people who, despite the fact that The Simpsons was in season 20, made it appointment television and was watching it on a week to week basis, judging it how whether the show was improving from how it had done in season 19, where we thought it was going to go in season 21. I think it's entirely appropriate to think of it as where the show was headed and where the show had been. That said, you are doing yeoman's work here of not just watching these episodes, but delving into them, asking what makes them work, what makes them fail, what are the pathologies that ran through the show at particular eras, what are the things that made it lift up ever so slightly in certain eras, what were the things that made this tick? And that is something that is very difficult to do when the show is not living up to its previous standards. I do think it is easy to be worn down by that. And at some point, you're you're Neo in the Matrix. You can see the code in a way that not your average viewer is going to. And at that, for that reason, when you see a bad piece of code there, it's going to be visible to you and infuriate you in the way that, for instance, my wife, who watched this episode along with uh, along with us, had not you know, only watches these later season episodes when I come to join the two of you on the show thought was a perfectly amiable episode you are your insight is betraying you robbie and matt you have looked too deep into the heart of the simpsons and when it beats back at you with this there's nothing you can do anymore i i I just don't like so okay this is probably the again i am i supposed to believe that the springfield sign has been here for 400 years maybe the the nuns did it up more recently so there's someone in the nuns who are going to doing renovations 
you got you got to keep the prophecy clues updated as the world you know evolves and modernizes. I, it's just these things, Andrew. Where I go, I I don't I I don't consider myself a genius, <laughs> and I when I when I go, oh, it's the Springfield sign. I'm like. All I think about, this is the shortcut that goes in my mind. I go, oh, it's the Springfield sign. Okay. The Springfield sign, obviously, is an allusion to the Hollywood sign, which was originally Hollywood land. But that sign is from the 20th century. Don't, don't we see the nuns building a precursor to the Springfield sign? Am I making that up? I'm, I'm not arguing that they don't say the nuns build it, Andrew. I'm just saying that it makes zero sense in the context of the world I live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that we see them making one out of like logs or something weird. I, I, I'm at least willing to give that a, lee, a bit of leeway, if for no other reason than I feel like it's sort of spoofing the convenient Da Vinci Code puzzles. Where you're like, wait a minute, were they really burying this thing in some piece of art or so forth and so on? Uh, to your point, where these things sort of have to add up sequentially in a way that would be a little contrived to make it work. I. I Maybe that's too generous an escape hatch for the writers here, given the other, uh, shall we say, sins that they commit. But I, I think that at least fits within the context of the spoof. I don't want to be cinema sins, to be specifically mentioning the word sins, and this episode does multiple times as well. I don't want to be that. I'm just like, there is just a avalanche of context that washes over me when I see it's a Springfield sign. I'm like, that is a... The reason that Springfield has a Springfield sign is because of the Hollywood sign. And you can't just, out of context, just say that. And if you want it to be a spoof, why wasn't Lisa asking a bunch of random questions while Skinner... Like, that's a perfect opportunity. You have Skinner, Skinner and Comic Book Guy to give, delivering this, uh, you know, this, this the information dump, effectively. You could have Lisa going, wait a minute, why would they do that? Why would they do this? Like, it's a perfect... It, way to in, inject some jokes into this thing, which I desperately would like some. Um, so they're at, they go to the Springfield sign. I do like here a, a, a slight, a slight compliment for the show. I do like the fact that after Lisa Skinner and comic book, I climb the hill, they're panting. That's a nice touch. Uh, climbing is hard. That makes sense. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I also like the touch that uh, Skinner didn't figure it out at first. Exactly. Is a cute gag. So we, so Lisa goes to Lisa. They get there, and then Burns is there with Smithers. I don't rem remember why they're there waiting for them. Because uh, Mister Burns has been following them, but they guess they figured out where they were going, and they're one step ahead, kind of thing. Okay. He also alludes to Smithers being his albino, which is a the clear solution to the Vinci Code. Um. So there's, uh, uh, there's, uh, you have to, uh, if you're close to the ring in Springfield on the sign, you'll see a message and, uh, Burns tells comic book guy and Skinner to dig their own graves while Lisa puzzles it out. Look, there's writing on the R. No, everything is writing to you, young people. From this angle, they're words. Great. Crimes. Kill Holy Sage! Great crimes kill Holy Sage. The puzzle is solved. We must warn the Holy Sage at once. No, that's not it. A secret message this awkwardly worded is always an anagram. Fine. Then you unscramble those letters to spell out the location of the gym. While you two dig your own graves. 
Superman, I have believed in you for years. If you can hear me now, please come help me dig this giant grave. Yes, because it's always an anagram. Uh, Lisa definitely knows that. Just, I just want, like, I feel like this is where I want more winking and nodding at the camera, honestly. If it's spoofing this stuff, I want Lisa to be a little bit more knowledgeable about the tropes, I think. And I, I want a nod to the fact that Lisa is canonically not good at anagrams. <laughs> like, that's that's clear. That's the biggest plot hole in the entire episode. I don't know how they just skipped over that. Jeremy's iron, indeed. <laughs> um, I This is... That's it, right? We go to commercial here? Yeah, we do. 17 minutes and 4 seconds. Oh, my God. And yes, when we come back, finally, we're on the end downward spiral of this horrible, horrible episode. Uh, okay, so we're going to try and make Act 4 quick. We start out with basically what's going on I, uh, when Lisa solves it. So, the anagram spells, Regally, the rock gem is Lisa? So, the gem is inside you? Sir, stop. She is the gem. Of course. St. Teresa wouldn't be interested in a mere bubble. Her greatest treasure would be a pure young girl. You are pure, aren't you? Does kissing Millhouse count? No. 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 It all adds up. I am the gem that will bring world peace. How brilliant of God to remove my skepticism by making me his chosen one. According to legend, the gem must be brought to the convent by sunrise. We could make it if we took Mr. Burns' helicopter. I don't really want you people inside, but you could dangle from the skids. Deal. Feels good to help someone, doesn't it, sir? No, it feels weird. So, okay, it's anagram. Matt, Matt, um, as to, I'll put Andrew mentioned this in his piece, and I'll back, I'll, this is the other, uh, one other line that I actually appreciated in this, it is the, I, this, no, it feels weird. Yes, that I, is true. That is the one line I really appreciate as I well. Like, I like so it a lot. Thank you, Andrew, for pointing that out for all of us. But of course. But also, they dangle from. The st- no, we're just going to move past that, Robbie. Sorry. They, uh, dangle, they dangle from, from the, the struts. The, the skids. It's fine. No one cares about that. This is the least stupid thing to happen oh, Matt, in this episode. Also, a long shot. okay. Does so? Lisa believes at this point. I, this is a clarification. Okay, I don't know this. That Lisa at this point of the story believes. That 400 years ago, some nun prophesied and laid out a long string of clues to lead Lisa to believe that Lisa is literally the gem. I mean, Lisa can be egocentric at times, but yeah, it kind of spreads cruelly. That is what that is what's happening, right? I'm not making that is not, I'm not that making is what's that. happening. Correct. Okay, please. I'm just I'm just clarifying as I am. I'm hanging on by a thread for all of this. I have no, okay. I have well, no let's, let's idea. Let's sever that thread. Oh, good. So uh, we get uh, Burns drops them off and then just flies off. That's no, the end. No, they Burns is gone. I'm pretty sure they died, Matt. No, Robbie. The, the helicopter totally recovered from the springiness when comic book guy, who was called Jeff in the subtitles, by the way, uh, jumps off. Oh, good. I mean, that is his name. Uh-huh. His, name is, his, name. his name is Jeff. Jeff Albertson. Jeff Albertson, yeah. You are correct. Like like um, the grocery so stores. They go inside, and they go inside, and uh, Lisa, they're singing O Fortuna, very famous in tons of movies, TV shows. Everyone knows what it is. Look it up. Um, but uh, Lisa is there to announce that, oh, she'll just wait, and obviously she is the, the one who solved it. 
Unfortunately for her, she has not gotten the puzzle correct, and uh, I forget what the actual... The, the Mother Superior is there to correct her. Uh, it makes it very obvious that, no, duh, it is Maggie, uh, who is the, the gem. Uh, and uh, we get a, a, a sequence of the Mother Superior writing the correct phrase, and it's like, Maggie's something, something Sir Sherlock. Now, so It's really Maggie Sherlock. Yes. At least it points out that that's incredibly stupid unless she solved it incorrectly first, which... Haha! Just because that's stupid doesn't mean calling I, it out is funny. I would, I think I need like I need this to be bigger. That's the thing, Andrew. Like you're talking about this trying to be a spoof. I want this. If this moment, if this is supposed to be po poking fun at the tropes of this kind of story, go harder, man. Don't. It feels like they're just like being the most tepid. It's fine. It's fine, Robbie. It's fine because at this point. Uh, we find out that Maggie really is the key to peace and prosperity. When uh, the light of uh, the full moon after a solar eclipse hits Maggie, rainbow rays shoot out from the convent and hit the rest of Springfield, making everyone happy and peaceful and uh, causing mattress salesmen to, you know, be happy and be friends and causing a uh, umpire and a baseball player to start making out. You know, peace and prosperity. Totally a thing. Uh, it also... Uh, in a very obscure callback uh, causes Snake, who is about to be executed, only get a nice massage, which I think is supposed to be a callback to the fact that uh, Snake was an archaeologist when he first moved to Springfield. I can't remember which flashback episode that was, but so yes, Snake should know exactly what is going on. I think that was a seemingly never-ending story. Yes, I think you're right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Andrew. I knew Robbie wouldn't be able to come up with that, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> There's no mystery so. we can't solve together, boys. That's right. So at this point, we go back to the convent where everyone's like, oh, great. The nuns have Maggie. There's going to be peace and prosperity. But since it's a Simpsons episode, it has to be ruined. And for once, it's ruined by Marge. Maggie, it's true. You are the gem. Four centuries of patient sacrifice has finally paid off. All is peace and harmony. Give me my baby back. Mom, how did you know Maggie was here? A mother knows. <laughs> Maggie, you're coming home with me. Mom, wait. Maggie is the gem child. She's brought peace to our town and reports of less road rage. It would be nice if the first thing I saw was a world at peace. <laughs> you're even more beautiful than I remember. Sorry, but I know God would never ask a mother to sacrifice her child for the good of the world. Again? Yes, not again. God only does that just a few times per decade. No tag backs. No tag backs. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Uh, but yes, at this point, uh, we are back to normal, essentially. The Simpsons are taking Maggie home. Marge has decided that peace and prosperity is great and all, but she wants her baby. But... They leave Bart behind, and as soon as Bart sits in the throne and has the light of the full moon hit him, uh, the, the convent descends into hell and anarchy reigns. And that's how we end the episode. Maybe I'm an old softy. I do like how touched Marge is by seeing Maggie as the first sight she sees once she takes her bandages mm -hmm. off. And I will say the line about uh, my mother having to sacrifice her child for the good of the world is, I think, the only line in the episode that has real teeth. So I appreciate that, too. I... I... My the literal last lines in our notes. I cannot do this. You are correct because it is awful. I, I can't, Andrew. 
I cannot. I cannot do this. Maggie. Okay. I have. It's just literally like I don't. I don't know what's happening. Like I literally have no idea. Like, am I just supposed to take all this at face value? Yes. Are you Mr. Simpson's writer? Is that what you're? you're... (laughs) I I think that the taking it charitably. I think it's supposed to be a very light, not take it very seriously kind of bit, and you're. It's not meant to withstand a serious critique of realism. I think it's meant to be this sort of light outlandish adventure where you know the rules of science don't really apply it's more of a magical flight of fancy type deal. it's not am i supposed to believe okay i want this is a question i have because i don't know when maggie is hit by sunlight or something and become and just and a rainbow of colors of light splot fly from her it really like across the city are are is are do other people see that light? Uh, why does it matter, Robbie? I people just get feel-good rays. That's, maybe some people see them, maybe people don't. That's you know? my question, Maybe Matt. since they're rainbow, only people in a certain area of Springfield can see them. That's my question, though. Like, the, let's say that um, uh, the one I remember very distinctly is the umpire and the baseball player. They're arguing. They're hit by the rays of light, colorful light, and then they hug. And I maybe even make out. Um, mm-hmm. are is it because they see the rays that they feel better, or is Maggie literally shooting magic at people? I believe she's literally shooting uh, magic, Robbie. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think they see the rays and are at peace. I think the rays strike them, and it affects a magical change in their demeanor. I, I, I this isn't The Simpsons. I don't, I don't, like, I can't, I, one of our, I believe Derek, one of our patron supporters said the same thing in one of his review. This isn't The Simpsons anymore. Like, I don't know what this is. It's not The Simpsons. Is, okay, does Bart literally summon hell on Earth? Well, yes, Robbie, obviously, if the magic is real and peace and prosperity were real, Bart has now summoned hell on Earth and The Simpsons will end. Good. (laughs) At this point, good. I'm ready. I I think, I I think... Bart has summoned the apocalypse as much as in the Simpsons Bible story episode, the portal to hell opening up at the end is a sign of something really happening in the end times. I I can't cotton to it. <laughs> I can't. That's fine, because this episode's bad, and we'll never have to think about it after today. I, 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 I hate it. I th- said it to Andrew, and I'm glad that Andrew got some enjoyment. I'm glad you got some enjoyment out of Andrew. I hate this. Uh, it's not the only thing that has, it doesn't have any downright offensive things. That's the only, like, there's no, you know. That is true. Not, uh, there's not, it's not homophobic. It's not transphobic. It's not racist. It's not misogynist. But that's all it's got. I hate this. I, there's not even, there's, I guess there's a couple moments that I enjoy. But otherwise. So, so Robbie, w- would you say this episode is broken? <laughs> we'll rake it at the end of the show. <laughs> I. Yes, Matt, I would say that it is broken. No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh-huh. Please continue, Matt. I was going to say, the question is, is there anything salvageable here, or should we just uh, make it so this didn't exist? I would, I don't, like, I think you can easily. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think you can easily make a very good, regardless of how much you think this is successful or not. 
I think you can easily make a better spoof of the Da Vinci Code within the context of The Simpsons while still adhering to what I consider a Simpsons what is a Simpsons episode? You know, like Golden Year Simpsons that adheres relatively close to reality where people don't car have car accidents and then have boat riddles. You know, like I think you can do that. And I, but I think it requires more work and it requires like, I don't know. I, I It needs to be smarter. The Simpsons is not smart. No, it's really not. It's very, very basic. And I'm like, I think that's the biggest problem with it. Andrew, you, 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 I don't know. I think a lot of what set me off is that I read your piece immediately after I watched the episode. And you used, and you say you only moved twice in there. And I know what you've already said. You already said you're, you've defended yourself. You're not trying to say this is as good as you only moved twice. But it, that it, it planted a seed in my head where I went, wait a minute. And then I remembered you only <laughs> moved twice. And I went, the episode's so smart and does so much and is so funny. And it doesn't, I mean, obviously, Albert Brooks is there also being incredibly funny. Um, and this episode just, I like, I, I like, I think I, I was doing my own thoughts. I'm like, this is comparable, like, in, I think, it, like, the Springfield Files, if you want to pull another Golden Years episode. Sure. Where it's, you know, Springfield Files is incredibly silly and also stretches the bounds of realism multiple times and honestly i it's one of the golden years episodes i'm think i'm i'm much lower on than a lot of people probably because of that reason i want reality even if it's very stretched absurd to the, the point to the absurdity i still want some sort of sense of reality it grounds everything this has to be a real family facing real problems and you can do a da vinci code spoof or or you just literally like if you want this I, I, if you want an episode to be totally insane and, and not be bound to reality, why don't they just put a, a, a like have a literal, I don't know, frame narrative where Lisa is reading a book and it's you know it's not it's not the Da Vinci Code but it is a spoof of the Da Vinci Code and she casts and we cast all the family members in that like. I would be way more in for that than this, which clearly takes place in Springfield. Well, that would be great, Robbie, but that's not what the Simpsons writers think that we all need. I don't. I. I, I don't think. I mean, at this point, Matt, I think it's very obvious they don't care. No, they don't care at all. No, they do what they want. They just say, "We're like, well, we don't. We don't have time to write. We don't have the time to do all this. Write all these episodes. We have, we have to write twenty plus episodes and produce them. We do not have time to." work all that stuff in to make it both realistic and have all these absurdist tones and to do all this stuff all at once and balance all that stuff. It's incredibly hard. We don't have time for it. We're not going to do it anymore. And they've been that way for years. All I will say in the defense is this. I do think you have episodes like you only move twice. You do have episodes like the Springfield files. You do have episodes like the stone cutters that really go off the reservation in terms of realism. And I think those episodes are still great for a reason. It has to do with the fact that the show was absolutely pitching its fastball at the time. There is an emotional undercurrent to all of those episodes. There are some whip smart jokes and some hilarious absurdities. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that gone Maggie gone is anywhere close to, you know, with even rock throwing distance to them. That was, if not completely gone by the stage of the show, then certainly scant and hard to find. But I will say that I'll say this much. I don't think 
realism has to be a greater or lesser making quality for the show. I think we've had some incredible episodes of The Simpsons that are very grounded and very rooted in a realistic world with hard-won emotions. And I think we've had some fantastic episodes that go very far afield from the typical and normal and still make hay with it. I think you could do that with this. I don't think there's anything about this premise aside from the pointless first act that would hinder you from doing that. I don't think they achieve it, but I don't think the the lack of realism to the events is the big problem here. So you could you? Yeah, you could easily, Matt. You asked me a question. Could you? All could, right. Could you fix this? Yeah. Yeah, I think you could. But again, I it would They're be. Interested. <laughs> I would make. I would just do National Treasure, like you said, and make it around and about make it around uh, Jebediah Springfield. Like I don't. That'd be amazing. It's right there. Like I don't know why they didn't. It feels like a layup to me. Like, oh, we want to do a spoof of these types of movies. Um, well, like they're and you, they barely touch on any of the Catholicism, the Christianity stuff that is throughout the Da Vinci Code. Why then? Okay, yeah. At one point, Homer goes, "Ah, Catholics," and that's it. That's all we get. <laughs> and that's the joke. Um, like, why don't we go to the National Treasure and do Jebediah Springfield bit? We've already like Lisa the Iconoclast dipped its toe into that. Like Lisa the Iconoclast. Maybe the problem is they already did that. Yeah, Lisa the Iconoclast is that already. Um, I mean, I love Lisa the Iconoclast, so there you go. Um, we'll move on. This episode's going to be three million years long. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for Comments of the News Group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments of the News Group is where I ask our patrons to leave a review about episode, and I appreciate them. Take the time to do such a thing. First from Derek. I could whine and moan as per, uh, but people seem to like this one. And you know what? More power to you. I'm glad people can take enjoyment from this, but I just don't. First time I watched this, I think it was the first episode where I just don't categorize it as bad Simpsons. But I don't even recognize the show as The Simpsons anymore. Everything feels off to me here. I find it terribly unfunny, plotting and stupid, and really can't see what's to like about it. But again, if you do like it, I'm kind of jealous. I hate being such a miserable grouch at the tender age of 25. Oh, 25. To be 25 again. Back when my back when my body <laughs> hope. back when my body didn't hurt every day. Uh from, from Dara. I keep trying to write a review, but I have nothing stuck in my mind about this episode. Maggie is my favorite Simpson. I have a tattoo of her, so I was really excited to revisit this episode given the title. This was a very unmemorable twenty two minutes. I guess Kent Brockman pulling a Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live, made me chuckle. But then then Marge feeding Homer's hand and thinking his arm was Maggie negated that chuckle. Shoot it out, let's never speak of it again. I have no worries about that. I have no compunction about if this is canon or not. Uh, for Benjamin, I guess I'll start with the bad. The plot didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, when did these clues get created? How old is the Springfield sign? Why did Marge need to be blind for it all to work? Very good questions, Benjamin. Uh, I don't have answers. I prefer my Simpsons to be grounded in reality. Now for my pluses. I kind of like the Ratatouille bit when Homer said the soup was good, not great. They really showed off what HD animation can do in this episode, and it looked outstanding. Overall, a solid meh. A solid meh. What a, what a rousing <laughs> review. Uh, solid 5 out of 10. Yes. Uh, JJ, this episode has a re reputation for being one of the better post-Golden Years episodes, which has always baffled me because I think it's extremely stupid. Hey, man, right there with you. Plot makes no sense. It's not funny. It takes place in a fantasy world where Maggie is a gem child destined to bring about world peace. <laughs> thank, I'm, that's, thank you for finally putting it succinctly. I really struggled. It really is. That's the thing that bothers me. 
I think people give it a pass for having a novel concept, but it seems like the writers spent five minutes coming up with the puzzles. They don't even stay on screen long enough to read them. And the final puzzle, it's really Mag- Maggie Sherlock was so dumb they have Lisa lampshade it. Apparently, Mar- Marge is so dumb she thinks Homer's arm is Maggie that she randomly shows up at church because a mother knows. Where's the scene where Marge finds out the truth? This is completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. <laughs> And finally, from Tim, I'll go ahead and say that, yes, this is, in fact, by far the best we've, got, we've been offered from season 20. Dare I say that a Da Vinci Code review will treat us at the end of September? Maybe. We might, I might watch the Da Vinci Code. Get a refresher. Might even read the Da Vinci Code. Oh, dear. Maybe, oh, dear. Read, okay. maybe read the Da Vinci Code. Probably take about the same oh, amount of time. Like Ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. They're, it's like a drinking a Bud Light. Uh, yes, there are plot holes. Yes, we have... We have too much jerk homer, but we did basically just have one story. I'll admit to being curious as to how it would all play out. Number 2222 two, 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 and canon. Oh, boy, Tim. Uh, <laughs> bad news for you about those those predictions. Very bad news. Um, that's it for our reviews. Thank you guys for leaving them, for watching the episode, for writing them. It's a lot of work, and I appreciate you. Next up, we can move on. It's time for Listener Question of the Week. Let's try one more number. Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite Flanders quote? Tons of great and funny answers. Matt, take it away. All right. First up, we've got, oh, no, it scrolled on me. <laughs> First up from Andy. Uh, you'll find I'm well worth the wait. Like a ch- mild cheddar, I get tangy when I'm sitting on a shelf. I don't even remember that one, Andy. Thank you. That's beautiful. Uh, from ESNP12. Hi, Dilly Ho, neighborinos. Uh, from Matt, why thank you, Homer. It's a popsicle in my favorite flavor. Plain. That's when try- Homer's trying to kill him with an icicle, but you know. Uh, from Dara. Uh, <laughs> from Lisa's first word. Heidi Ho, Simpson. Your son shoved us through our doggy door. And since we're returning your second born, do you think you can see your wage returning my TV trip? And that is a door being slammed in his face. I like the, the good Foley work. Uh-huh. Uh, from Benjamin. I've done everything the Bible says, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. Ned's prayer, Hurricane Eddie <laughs> is just good writing. It really is. Uh, from Kevin, feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. From JJ, I'll have a white wine spritzer, 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 spritzer. A lot of, a lot of repeats in Flanders stuff. Well, echoes, yeah. Um, from Derek, help you remember. and as for you, it does. It really does. <laughs> it does help you remember. It's right, Andrew. <laughs> uh, and as for you, I don't know you, but I'm sure you're a jerk. I think about this about every innocent person I pass by because I am, after all, an ugly, hate-filled man. Who, who well, said that? that did, you say who, we all. did you say who said that? I missed it. Yes, I said that was from Derek. Okay, thank you. Uh, from Tim, sometimes, God bless her, she underlines passages in my Bible because she can't find hers. Oh, horrible. <laughs> How do they even stay married after that? <laughs> all right, from, from Charles. Calm down. They did their best. Gotta be nice. Hostility. Oh, hell, dilly ding dong crap. Can't you morons do anything right? I guess if you're going to swear, that's where you start with. Hell, diddly ding dong crap. <laughs> yep. Uh, from Dominic. God said to Noah, there's going to be a floody floody. From at Tommy Harmon. Son of a diddly. That's what a uh, paper cut could do to you. Uh, from Matt, yes, it's Aaron. Since I'm a perpetual 12-year-old, hey, homie, I can see your doodle. It's my favorite. Uh, from Matt D. Jacobson, it feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. And from Matt Borte ATX, feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Uh, from Matt Hippie 200, I've done everything the Bible says, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. And finally, from Billiam FF, uh, now here's a little trick to help you remember. It's clear and yellow. You've got juice there, fella. If it's tangy and brown, you're in Cidertown. Robbie, what is your favorite Flanders quote? Um... I 
I don't know. It, the I, obviously I go to Hurricane Hurricane Eddie, and the entire rant is incredible. Oh yeah, the the entire rant at the townspeople. Um, it is a peak in reality. It is. It's a little bit of Homer's enemy in there as well. You know, it is Flanders basically speaking the truth about all these horrible people that we watch every week. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And that's all. It's all very funny. But honestly, I the I've done everything the Bible says, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. I have to go back to that, which is also Hurricane Nettie. But it because it it is it's more earnest, and it's also it's a, it's a peek into. I don't know the Ned that I like, the Ned that has been kind of vanished uh, after the Golden Years, where he just becomes super conservative guy. Where Ned is, there is an element of self awareness, especially in Hurricane Nettie, about Ned's like, yeah, I am a, I am Christian, I am a man of faith, and I do what the Bible says, and I do my best to follow it, even when it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense because this is my life and this is what I built my life around and. I don't know. It is a, that line is a nice little hint about. I don't know. It's just so smart because it is a peek into these conflicting systems that normal people are in touch with every single day. Where you know you go to church on Sunday and you do what you think you're supposed to, but then on Tuesday you do something that you're not like. It's conflict in our lives that exists on a very mundane level and Flanders speaks to it in a very honest and earnest way. Uh, so it's just wonderful. Andrew, what's your answer? I love basically everything in Hurricane Nettie as well, so I would echo all of that. But I am going with Homer. I can honestly say that was the best episode of Impy and Chimpy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it hits oh, the right the, the right blend of being somebody being totally lost but blithely supportive. And what I love most about it is that it's technically the truth. Matt, what's your answer? Uh, my answer um, is from oh, I'm getting worse with names as I get old. I swear the one where Homer has a crane up his nose. Um, <laughs> Homar. Yeah. Homar, yeah. Uh, yeah, Homar. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think it's your title's Homer better, doing... Matt. Your title's better. The one, with, up, the one with Homer has a crane up his nose. Uh-huh. We're just going to do Friends so, episodes. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, it, it's when Homer is giving Flanders his flat tax proposal. And he says, I actually prove there's no God. And, and Flanders says, oh, maybe he made a mistake. Nope, it's airtight. Can't let this little doozy get out and then burns. <laughs> I just, I love that Flanders is, is smart enough to accept Homer's proof and then burn it. <laughs> Next week's question: What is your favorite thriller? Oh my! Nice, broad, easy—not easy, maybe not easy, but very broad, simple question. Um, maybe is it a Da Vinci Code? Probably not, but maybe it might be. It could be. <laughs> I'm not going to mm-hmm. judge you. It can't be if you want it to be. I'll post this question on our social media, Twitter, at SimpsonsShowPod. Email us at SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. And you can also answer it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stop the other. Matt, as a lean on me. It's a very very small lead, Robbie, and we're we're not even halfway through the season. I don't know. It doesn't. We're perpetually halfway through a season. Matt, it's always halfway through a season. It's like we're it's like Groundhog Day. Matt has a one point lead on me. 
Uh, we're roughly halfway through the season. I think that's that's a safe assumption. Matt, are you ready for an easy question? I am ready. In the Springfield Files, which two agents come to investigate? I believe that is Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. I appreciate you giving the full name, so that's that's you are correct. Well, you know, I want to be precise. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Mulder has a sister and Scully has a brother, so got to be careful. I don't. We're not. We don't need to delve into X Files lore. It's okay. Uh, what's <laughs> not my, on this podcast? Not anyway. on the not on this podcast. What's my easy question? All right. Uh, where was Homer's dream to work in? And Maggie makes three. It's the bowling alley, right? You are correct. Yeah. Oh, make Dad tell him tell him the story the right way. That is what happened. <laughs> Matt, your, your medium question. Uh, what song do they sing to, not quite in the episode, but basically in the episode? Burns, the, Burns Alien and everyone else in the town. Um, okay, I, I know this. I can see it in my head. I just need to know the name. <sighs> Sorry, I was trying to sing it to myself. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Starshine. Is that your final answer, Matt? Yes. Who sings it? Oh, God, I, I have no clue that. Um, Jefferson Starship? <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, well, Andrew, do you know uh, both the correct title of the song and who sings it? Is it it's Good Morning Starshine, right? He's got, got that part. Um, I think the singer is like Ollie or Oliver or something like that. Olive oil? <laughs> yeah, it's from Popeye. It's olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> the the full title is Good Morning Starshine. That is the full title of the song, and it is sung by Oliver. Oliver. That is the name. Oliver. Okay. Oliver. It's from the 60s, Matt. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Peter, Oliver, and Mary. Oh, no. No. Boo. <laughs> boo. I boo you, sir. Okay. Okay. Robbie, your medium question. At the beginning of Anne Maggie Makes 3, the family is watching an episode of Night Boat. Who are the bad guys in this particular episode of Nightboat? There's always a bay or an inlet. Or an inlet or a fjord. <sighs> Shark runners. I'm sorry, to starfish poachers. Oh, Lord. <laughs> don't oh. have to yell, Michael. I'm all around you. <laughs> all right, uh, Matt. What are the four levels of drunkenness according to Moe's breathalyzer? And I need them in order. Oh, dang it. I could probably okay, okay. There's tipsy, drunk. No, sorry, tipsy, soused, soused. However you want to pronounce it, drunk and plastered. Soused, <laughs> soused. I, how do how do you pronounce? It? I've never heard anyone say that. I've only seen it in, in books. It's a you're no. It's you're right, Matt. It's Doctor Soused. That's the Doctor Soused. Yes, it's soused is the correct way to say it. Um, oh, soused. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, you're incorrect. Uh, oh. Andrew, do you have do you have an answer? The only part I remember is Boris Yeltsin. I think is the top one. You're right. It is. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it is tipsy, soused. Third one is stinking, and finally, stinkin'. finally, Boris Yeltsin is the last. It's <sighs> a failure at drunkenness. I mean, Just like in real life, true to real life, man. All right, Robbie, your hard question: What does the owner of the bowling alley, Barney's uncle Al, tell Homer to bring on his first day? <laughs> I don't know. Um, a clean shirt. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, Robbie. He has to bring three rags and a change of pants. And when Homer asks why, he says, "When it happens, you'll know." <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 that is one of the best jokes because it's one of those ones <laughs> that just 
the joke is in your head. It's not the actual what is said, <laughs> and it's just so perfectly done. Ugh, miss jokes like that. Andrew, did you bring us any uh, trivia? I did bring you guys trivia, and in Whoa. fact, the theme for today's questions is puzzles and mysteries. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Robbie, your easy question. In Lisa the Iconoclast, Lisa proves the true history of Jebediah Springfield using the portrait of what former president? Uh, George Washington. That is correct. Save me, Matt? George, save me George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Your dreams are square. Uh, Matt, in Hurricane Nettie, the Simpsons family plays with what famous 1980s puzzle toy while waiting out the hurricane? I believe that's a Rubik's Cube. That is correct. Move it's been your, topwise. It's been top wise. Top wise. I remember why I put this down here in the first place. Everyone, <laughs> we all literally scream top wise all at the same time. <laughs> top wise. Robbie, your medium question. Mm. In Sweet Seymour Skinner's badass song, Bart offers his classmate a riddle. What has four legs and ticks? What is their answer? Uh, alarm clock. Is that your final answer? I think so. I don't remember. I think that's my final answer. The answer is a walking clock. I will, I'll leave it to Matt to determine how, how many points an alarm clock answer is worth. I mean, the whole point is that it walks or has legs. I don't think an alarm clock has legs. I, I, I literally don't even remember. Again, I don't. you guys vastly overestimate my ability they, to they remember. They all say that. They're like, I, I, I wager he's got some form of walking clock in there. <laughs> like, no, it's just a dog. <laughs> it's fine. I don't need any points. It's fine. I'm a dummy. It's okay. okay. I'm already losing. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, Matt, your medium question. In Bart on the Road, what is the name of Elise's crush, who is, quote, very quiet and enjoys puzzles? Oh, I know this one! Andrew! (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were evenly matched. I thought they were comparable questions. Go ahead, Matt. I believe it is Langdon Alger. You are correct, Matt. Been betrayed. Sorry, Robbie. (laughs) I remember Langdon Alger. You can't even... I, I feel like... Walking cl- honestly, if I if you put a gun right, to my Sergeant head, that's a Jetson. <laughs> I think I think remembering a walking clock is the answer to what has four legs and ticks is easier than having to pull out a random name. It's but it's Langdon Auger, <laughs> the the giant of Lisa's love life. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> All right, well, Robbie, your hard question. Mm-hmm. In three gays of the condo, the oh, Simpsons complete, no. <laughs> they complete their family jigsaw puzzle uh, with a piece featuring what singer slash songwriter slash puzzle piece? Uh, James Taylor. Correct. Oh, dang. Oh, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> Good job, Robbie. I guessed. <laughs> Matt, your hard question. In Lisa the Simpson. What is the title and name of the brain teaser that Lisa Lisa struggles to solve on the back of the vacuum packed lunch container? Okay, it is no. Oh, Robbie, do you know this? No, I don't. But I don't want you to get it right. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to think of the name. Uh, Professor Provolone's Picto Puzzle. Matt, you are correct. Oh, thank God! I was I was so unsure of the name of the professor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. Good job to you both. Uh, I think that's the first time, at least, that I've done these, that you've both gotten the hard question. So that was that's a tough one, two of you. 
Sorry, Robbie. I, I, that was a we that's were, quite the get for you to get your hard question. We were momentarily tied, Matt. We were tied again, and guess what happened? S- stolen from me. Stolen. Sorry. Langdon Auger. <laughs> <laughs> that name will haunt my dreams. No, that's not true. I'll forget it as soon as I eat dinner. Uh, I'll forget all about this. I'll go, oh, nice, a hot dog. Happy, happy days. That's it for trivia. Matt has a three-point lead on me uh, because I'm doomed. I will always lose forever, forever and forever. Not always. I haven't won in like three years, Matt. It's been a long time. I don't remember it anymore, what victory feels like. Uh, that's it for trivia. You can move on to our final second segment. Every single episode with time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically, watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Robbie, well, the question is, how far was that? Because it seems like a really long time. Are we talking like, <laughs> are we into the 400s? Maybe not that bad, Matt. Okay, I didn't think so. No, but I do hate this episode. It is just magic. Oh, wow. It is just full of magic, and I hate it. I hate. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of magic. Like it is like that joke about. I hope some. I, so, I hope I got some. Someone got fired for that blunder. But literally, like I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Um, it is better. Th- it's better than Mona Leavesa, which is at 377. I think it's that's true. Safely above that. Barely though. I mean, <laughs> <sighs> we have Love Springfieldian, Springfieldian style. Two above that, and that was bad. But I, I don't know. I would say the Homer of Seville is better than this. That has Homer singing on his back. <laughs> I remember. There's no magic though. There's no magic gem babies. <laughs> it's more plausible. Um, I agree with you, Matt. Well, I guess it just leaves of of. Are, are we going to say the? It's it's. I think the Homer of Seville is better than this. But I, I'm not sure about Love Springfieldian style. Is is that better or worse than this? <sighs> Why can't I remember Love Springfield? Is that the Valentine's Day one? It's, with... the, it's the anthology about yeah, the Valentine's Day. Yeah, I think that's better. With yeah, I would probably say so. I would I mean, rather watch that. Lisa uh, and Nelson and Candy as a stand-in for heroin. That's bad, <laughs> but I would say I would I would prefer to watch that than this again. That gives that's your oh, yeah, answer. Same. So is it better than Dangerous Curves? What does that one get? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, oh, you guys did that recently. That's the um, intersecting stories with the Flanders. Oh, that's the that's the. Uh, oh, oh, that that is tough. Um, that's the 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 uh, two for the road uh, episode. Man. Honestly, on the strength of two for the road itself, now that I've seen it, I would rather watch <laughs> that than this. I would disagree, Matt. I think I would think this is slightly better than Dangerous Curves. I really don't like Dangerous really? Curves. Yeah, I the, the Dangerous Curves is when I'm I am done forever. Uh, I've, I'm on the record for this. After the movie, no more Homer and Marge relationship episodes ever. Relationship trouble yeah. episodes. Yeah. I never wanted them again. And this one is the, like is full of just again. It's not full of outright magic. But it is full of just insane coincidences and nonsense to make the plot work, and it is literally un like it's undecipherable if you haven't seen Two for the Road. Yes, that is very true. And I would just oh, if you're asking me, code, I suppose. if you're asking me, I would just watch Two for the Road again. 
and not watch Dangerous <laughs> Curves. So well, I, yes, obviously. Yes, I think Gone Maggie Gone is between them. I would put below Love Springfield and Style and above Dangerous Curves. I'm, I'm okay with that. You're right. You're right. This is they're bad, both, but Dangerous I, Curves is real bad. I mean, I, I think there is. I I I, I don't. We I try not to rank. Have any. I try and keep out any of like, oh, it's so bad, it's good kind of stuff in it, because there are moments yeah. in these where I, like, you know, as we were recounting the plot, I was laughing, because it is so absurd. It is like The Room, you know? It's like Tommy Wiseau directed The Simpsons, and oh, God. I don't want that to be a part of the calculation. Um, oh, hi, Bart. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, God. You're my favorite customer. <laughs> Hello, Santa's little helper. Cheap, 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 cheap. You tearing me apart, Lisa. We don't need any love making scenes involving Marge and a belly button. Thank you. Oh no! Oh, the black tank top thing. That's gonna be haunting my nightmares. Are you guys familiar with the black tank top theory? No. Basically, there's there's a slew of writer, director, you know, actor guys like Tommy Wiseau. Neil Breen is another one. Matt, mm-hmm. I, I showed you the, your first Neil Breen movie. You sure did, unfortunately um, for me. But that's one of them. There's many others. And there's a weird, there's a very strange thing where in all of them, or nearly all of them, they always, there's just this, this writer-director guy, star guy, the egocentric lunatic who thinks he's making a good movie, but he's not. They always, in their movie, always are wearing a black tank top. Hmm, interesting. The Room, he's, Tommy Wiseau wears a black tank top. Uh, Neil Breen, yeah. his movie, he one of his movies, he wears a black tank top. His first movie, he wears a black tank top. There's other guys in from for the past 30 or 40 years. All of them have black tank tops on. And I, I, what is the explanation? I don't know. Ed, Ed Wood wear a black tank top? I don't think... I don't think Edward was ever actually in his movies, aside from the uh, the, the cross dress. First one, right? yeah, yeah. cross dress. But I don't think he wore a black tank top. I think it was only uh, a sweater, <laughs> Angora sweater. Well, I think more grant money is needed to further study this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Go to Red Letter Media; they'll 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 elucidate everything you need about black tank top theory. We're not done with this episode, though, guys. We're not. We're almost done. We're almost, we're nearly done. We have one more thing to do. One more question to answer. That question is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? Yes, of course. I, I can't. There's no reason to keep this. Get rid of it. Yeah, bye bye. <laughs> Come on, play. There we go. Uh, yeah, it's not in the canon. Like, magic. Maggie is a, a magic gem baby that they took away and are are preventing Springfield from getting peace and happiness uh, because Marge didn't want her baby raised by other people or to help them raise her. It nope. does. It's all very clear, unclear. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So goodbye forever. Gone, Maggie. Gone. I'm sorry, Andrew. That's okay. It can be in the canon in my heart. Is it really? <laughs> is it? Would you put this on the canon? Do I think it's vital to the study of The Simpsons? Probably not. Do I think it passes muster well enough for me to avoid kicking it out? Probably so. I feel like you're much less. You're much more lenient than we are. I also don't have to bury myself in the nitty-gritty details of writing and comedy and everything that the show does week after week, which I think makes it easier to be lenient on it. 
That's very true, because we're crazy people now. Uh, Matt and I That's true, because when all I did was watch these episodes, I found a lot more of them enjoyable than I do now. <laughs> You're welcome, Matt. You're welcome. Uh, we can go to the top of the list as we're working way down, answering the same question. We are at number 106, which is Homer Badman. I was alluding to this earlier when we were talking about Bob's Burgers, Matt. Homer Badman. Sweet, right. sweet candy. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. Has a, 100%. Has a Rowdy Rowdy Piper reference. Does it? What am I thinking? Where, where, yeah. where is it? Where is it? Rowdy Roddy Peeper. Oh right, oh, right, 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 Roddy. Well, I miss I miss Roddy Piper. Yeah, I, I miss that lunatic. At least he got to he got he got some moments before before he left us. He got to be in It's Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you got to get in a fight with uh, Keith David. You know, very important. You're gonna fight anybody? Um. So Homer Batman, of course, it stays. It's funny. Uh, and uh, you know, actual in, in, insightful comments about uh, incendiary media and bad reporting versus which was a, was was endemic in the nineties as it is now. Mm, I will agree with you, Matt. So I don't have to argue about it for another ten minutes. Yeah. So that's it. That's it for the show. Uh, next week, let's see. Well, no, first thing I do is I say everything is on our list. Everything is this list and everything else is on our website. It's the dot com has links to everything in our t- Twitter, our RSS feed, and our to our Patreon. If you don't support us on Patreon, we would love if you did so. Help out the show. Help pay for hosting. Get a lot of bonus stuff alongside it. And I really appreciate everyone who does support us there. Um, our next episode, Matt, is in the name of the grandfather. They go to Ireland. Oh, God. Okay. That's our next episode. And then what would I do? I would start plugging things. Uh, Andrew, please, before we say things, you say things. Andrew, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Rowie's other podcast, The Serial Fanaticist, talking about the new Mountain Goats album, which is themed around classic action movies. Uh, you can also find me on the spool.net where I recently reviewed the tremendous final season of Better Call Saul. And I'm currently reviewing the great new season of Star Trek Lower Decks. So thank you for the synergy there. There is even, I will spoil ever so slightly, a love letter to Deep Space Nine in this season. So be on the lookout for that. And you can find my work at Slash Film, Consequence, and my personal website, which is theandrewblog.net or on Twitter at the Andrew blog. So thank you guys, as always, for letting me crash your podcast to uh, discuss best-selling books and laugh about these episodes with the two of you. I think like a lot of people, my podcast listening habits tend to change with the season, but the two of you remain a constant and for very good reason. So thank you for having me on. That's so sweet. How nice of you. Andrew, to say such kind things. Um, you can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. That's my name. My website is also RobbieDorman.com. That's also my name. You can find links to buy all my books there. My newest book is called Killer Hockey Mascot. It's about a killer hockey mascot. It has a killer hockey mascot in it. You should read that book. Uh, you can get read it for free with Kindle Unlimited. Uh, leave me a nice review if you have read it already. I would really appreciate it. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Matt, hello? Where'd you go? Come oh, back. Sorry. Uh, my bad. My headphone slipped off. <laughs> um, uh, yes, you will not find me on social media, but well, you will find me taking care of kittens. Lots of kittens who are on social media. Uh, I am the power behind the power, keeping all of these kittens as clean as humanly possible, which is very difficult some weeks. But luckily for you, they are very, very cute. And you can find them at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S on Instagram. You can see how incredibly adorable they are. And you, yes, you, if you live in the central area, 
could possibly uh, take home one of these adorable kittens and be adopted by them. Uh, if you are extremely lucky, anyway, they're very selective, very selective, but they're also very cute. So it works out well, that we will call it. Wait, what What do I do? No, I, I don't do that. Matt. That's a different podcast. I haven't done that <laughs> podcast in nine months and I'm still doing it with that. We will call it a day. I'm Robbie and I'm Matt. Thank you. Why this episode? Shh.